Welcome in, everybody, to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Orange Nation, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorangenation.com. Before we get started today, I'd love to remind you, if you like what we do, please leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends wherever you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, all of the major places where you can find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and I. Connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail.com. And we'd always love to have you as part of our Facebook group. You can find us on at the Longhorn Republic. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's so upset he couldn't make the Cristo Conti Town Hall. Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Hey, uh, I, I don't know if it's uh, simply going to be a town hall with people shouting in different languages um, to fire Shaka, but everyone bring your, your Google translators, because I imagine that's going to be the uh, the ruckus. Rough time for a town hall for old CDC on February 4th, but, uh, you know, it'll be fun nonetheless. Are you saying that they're going to bring the ruckus? Bring the bring the ruckus? If he's smart, he'll bring Darius Rucker to, you know, really calm everyone down with his dulcet tones. That's that's free advice right there, Mr. Del Conte. Now, is it is it Darius Rucker, like, wagon wheel Darius Rucker, or, like, cracked rear Darius Rucker? Those are two very different things. Uh, I will karaoke, I would say both, but no, I karaoke the OG wagon wheel. Um, I do not do the Darius Rucker uh, abomination on my karaoke playlist. But, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully it is the, hopefully it's, it's more Hootie than Darius. So, as far as Texas basketball goes, we're going to have to let her cry. <laughs> uh, we may just have to uh, have him hold my hand while we walk him out of the Irwin Center and turn the lights off behind him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we'll do it with some love and some tenderness, but uh, it definitely won't be nice. <laughs> so, uh, that's enough Hootie of the Blowfish references, I think, for one evening. Yeah, Gerald, the listeners only want to be with you. Sorry, that's it. We're done. <laughs> oh, man. You know what's really funny about that song? This is the last, uh, probably not the last aside we'll have. The In that song, there's a lyric, I'm such a baby because the dolphins make me cry. And my wife was giving me grief one day because I was singing that. She's like, that's, there's no way that's the lyrics. And so she had to Google two different sites until she believed me. And that was one of the few times that my wife's ever said I was right. Well, that, that's A, impressive. But B, she should actually very much feel it because you're a uh, Miami Dolphins football fan. So it's very real, that lyric. 30 plus years of the Dolphins <laughs> making me cry. No, so we're not here to talk about uh, 90s post-grunge. Rock. I don't know. Yeah, what, sure. Whatever. Uh, we're going to talk. We're doing another one of our retrospectives. And this time we're zeroing in on the offensive line. And so we've actually got. Texas Longhorn All-Conference tackle Donald Hawkins coming on to give us his thoughts on what the Texas offensive line needs to do. He's also going to help us look toward the future. And he's actually got some inside information into one of my favorite players of the 2020 class. He's going to give us a little bit of insight into him. So we're in the third week of our 2019 retrospectives and we moved on. We've done the passing game and the running game. And it's not a, a Longhorn Republic podcast if we don't take time to talk about the big fellas and get some insight on the offensive line. To do that, we have Donald Hawkins, uh, Texas former all-conference player, came into the University of Texas uh, as the number seven, I think, Juco player in the nation, number one offensive tackle. Played two seasons at the University of Texas, started all but one game while he was 
was on campus. He was first team all conference his senior year, played professional football uh, for five years, and now he runs the DeHawk O-line performance camp where he gets the opportunity to coach some of the top talent in the state. Donald, thank you so much for taking some time uh, to join us today. We're so, so glad to have you. So, uh, man, we're going to just jump right in. Uh, and what we're doing is we're taking a look back kind of unit by unit for uh, Texas at 2019. So we wanted to get uh, somebody on that actually knew what they were talking about when it comes to the offensive line. I'm a big fan of the offensive line, but I don't necessarily have the, uh, the nuance that you may have. So as we look at Texas uh, from 2019, in spite of what a lot of people would say, they were actually one of the better run blocking units in the country, but struggled in pass protection. So as you uh, think back and look back to 2019, man, what was your read on the unit as a whole uh, for last season? Oh man, um, I have some mixed feelings about the union. I think those guys play high at times and they also play low. Um, I think when they played against great competition, they played up the part. When they played against bad competition, they kind of played to that level. Level, if that, if, if that makes sense. Absolutely. So, what do you think? What do you think caused that, or what do you think? Is it a motivation thing? Is it a coaching thing? Like, what do you think uh, causes that kind of fluctuation? Great question, man. I think uh, if you want, if you want to take the past pro, I think a lot of the, you know, not incomplete, but a lot of sacks or um, incomplete, not incomplete pass, but a lot of pressures. It's kind of a mixture of the whole offense at once. I wouldn't say necessarily it was the O line fault. It was a lot of times where there wasn't nobody open, and and it was I would call them coverage sack, which means the DB played good in coverage, and the quarterback hadn't once to throw the ball to, so he hold it and he got sacked. I think a lot of a couple other sacks was them running around. Obviously, sometimes obviously offensive line is going to get beat. That's just part of the game, but. I think a lot of the past pro was a unit rather than just it's the offensive line fault. Oh yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel the where you're coming on that one. But for the uh, the highs you talked about when they were good, was there a single player who stood out to you as the the best guy in the line or a guy you tuned in each week to watch? Believe it or not, in a LSU game, Cosme, uh, I, I thought he played uh, pretty well against a guy that's considered as a top talent for the NFL. Any other uh, guy on the offensive line, I watched more than uh, he was the only guy on the offensive line that I watched more because I'm a former left tackle and he plays the same position as me. I think um, the guy's a great talent, but uh, as the season went along, I think he regressed in his uh, fundamentals and technique. Um, a lot of time he got beat, not because the guy was better than him. He just had poor fundies. And I don't know the reason why um, he regressed in his technique, but that's definitely a flaw that I saw from him kind of made his season go up and down, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think that's it's when your left tackle's struggling, then then the whole unit's going to struggle. When your left tackle's solid, then the whole unit's going to be solid. And so, so the, the thing about offensive line, man, um, it don't matter what position that struggle. If one struggle, the whole unit struggles, man. It, it, it's a chemistry thing. So all five has to be um, intact for the, you know, to make the offense flow smoother. Uh, I learned that from playing the NFL, man. I'm blasting my guy, and after the play, I'm looking at the running back and hitting the backfield. It, it just don't work like that, man. It could be four guys killing, killing, and one guy mess up. All it takes is that one mistake, and you know, um, 
It's, it's a bad place. Football is all about angles, and and something go back, the whole you know offense go back. And that's that's a great segue to kind of the next thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, ev- everybody wants to be an armchair offensive line coach, and everybody wants to be uh, the the person who's kind of diagnosing what's wrong. So somebody Donald who actually knows what's going on and what it takes to make a successful offensive line. Uh, what do you think is like the biggest misunderstanding that people have? You know, as you've seen conversations online, or as you've kind of been interacting with fans, but what's the biggest misunderstanding? understanding that they that people have when watching those units I, I think a lot of people can i can put the blame on the old line when the offense not going well but sometimes it's, it's not the offensive line fault it's just for instance let's say we're running the ball we got six blockers and the defense got uh seven defenders but that's a guy see that's going to make the tackle so if you need to run it back here hit in the backfield it's not the offensive line fault it's it's leverage the, the offense was out leveraged because of the defense you catch my drum so that's, it's not always the offensive line not blocking. Or just to say, for instance, they blitz. It's only five blockers. It's two guys free, you know? You got a running back to six. But they brought seven. Let's say they brought seven. We only got six blockers, including the running back. It's the guy free. So if the, guy, the quarterback gets sacked, it's not the offensive line's fault. That, you know, when, when you have a free blitzer, we consider that the quarterback guy. What, what that means is the quarterback knows that if, if they bring more than we block, that's his, that's his guy. So to defeat that, the quarterback has to defeat the extra blister with the throw. No, I, I I love that, and that's that's why you know you think of your Vince Youngs and to some extent your Sam Ellingers, guys who can move, guys who can uh, be the almost extra lineman in in a sense to put it that way, that because they can take a blitzer, the one one on one, they can take him out. So um, knowing that we have Sam Ellinger coming back, a quarterback who. Pretty mobile, can play within the system pretty well, um, but they do have to replace two guys. Do you expect the the unit to kind of be where they are, to take a step up? Uh, is it going to be a beginning of the season learning curve? I'm intrigued to see who fills in that center spot. Uh, right now, I think Kerstetter, uh, I think he'd be the, he, he, he probably would be the guy that moves into center, and it's a vacant spot at right tackle. Uh I'd be intrigued to see uh, the battle who builds in that board at right tackle come training camp. But um, my opinion, man, when you got a veteran coming back and he's a senior quarterback and you got you lost a couple of guys but you still have a couple of pieces intact, I, I don't see why Texas is not a team that competes in the playoff, you know? I mean, you have a, you're loaded with talent coming back and you just, you know, brought talent in in this recruiting class. There's no reason why offensive line shouldn't go out there and dominate or the receiver should dominate, quarterback should dominate. It's I mean twenty twenty need to be excuses free. I like that. I like that. And so additionally to the guys we know and the guys maybe filling in, there's a, a whole bunch of young guys, some of these recruits, and I know your wheelhouse has been dealing with some of the kids making their step up to the college level. So is there anyone that you're excited about or Texas fans should be excited about? Maybe not this year, but as they get the strength on them and get into the system in the next couple of years. It's funny you say that. I, I train uh, Andre Carrick. He's a, a Texas signee. Um, guy has NFL ability. When you're um, looking for a guy to drive and you're, you're doing your assessment of what you have inside your room already on the NFL team, he's what you look for. A guy has amazing, he has top tier quickness, top tier speed, has the length have the athleticism. I don't see why we won't be a candidate to go in and play right away, not saying that he'll start when we get in there. I definitely think he'll be a guy one term and get him on campus and her get him on campus. They see the things that I see from him because I train him. 
um, consistent base and I see all these qualities and attributes this guy has. The guy has everything I he, the guy has everything I wish I had as an offensive line. And I speak high on this kid because he has talent. If you're a great offensive line evaluator, obviously Herb is because, I mean, I think Texas probably one of the top five offers he had. Um, kid went from a three-star to a four-star. And the, the kid can freaking play. Um, other than that, I have a couple more other kids. Um, so I'm not top tier, but I have a couple other top tier kids. I mean, Brock and I, James Brock and I know that that's on the Texas list. I can go on and on about the kids I have, but I would love to see them in Brent Orange. I don't know if that might happen or not, but um, when it comes to Tyler Men developing the DFW area through my program, it's definitely going to be a hot landing spot where you see more coaches come grab my kids. You've been posting, I've been following you on, on Twitter, you've been posting some some videos of Carrick doing some of your workouts. There's no way a guy who's that big should be able to move like he does. Like He's he's like a dancing bear is the only way I can describe that kid. Yes, man. Um, when, when you're talking elite offensive line, and I coach my guys, I'm not teaching you to be a great high school football player. I'm teaching you to uh, be able to block elite defenders. Um, teach, I want to teach you to be a, a great college football player. And if the opportunity presents yourself, and I tell all of my kids this, I want you to be a great offensive lineman in the NFL. And just being big and strong won't get you there, buddy. It won't get you there. The, the game has evolved. You have to be quick. You have to be nimble. You got to be able to move. And that's and that's why I'm so big on Andre. He's um, kid six five, twenty eighty pounds, and he's 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 quick as Cricket's quite crap. And and once you venture out to the NFL, you notice most of the offensive linemen that start a plan, they, they, they want offensive linemen, you know? If you want to be a lead, most of the guys was former linebackers, D linemen, or tight ends that that were uh, made into offensive linemen. So basically, what I'm trying to say, uh, offensive linemen at that level is not made, they're built. So when you get a kid that was made, that was just blessed to play offensive linemen, that's good for your program. Donald, thank you so much for, for say, taking some time out, man. If people want to connect with you or follow you on social media, man, where can they find you? So uh, my Twitter name is ThatBoyDHawk. Uh, I post content on there, and I also post content on Instagram. And the name of my Instagram is DHawk Online Performance. Uh, you guys, you could I'll share it. Um, my Instagram and my Twitter Um I love to talk football. Definitely like to talk Texas football. Um, if you guys have any questions about the offensive line play or Texas as a whole, um, my um, Twitter or Instagram is open to you guys. Fantastic, man. Well, we will uh, we will definitely share your handles and we'll we'll maybe tweet some some questions out there to you, and maybe some of our listeners will find you and uh, and hit you up for, during the season. Awesome, Donald. Thank you so much, man. Have a fantastic evening. You too. All right, so now it's time for the uh, the best part of everyone's week, the burnt orange lenses, where we take a look at the world outside the 40 acres uh, with a burnt orange tint. So uh, this week, hopefully, all of you uh, took some time to wish Bevo a happy birthday uh, on the 24th, but uh, even bigger than that, Gerald, one of the things that, uh, that you put out there somewhat jokingly, but I think you were completely on top of what's going on, the coaches... Coaches are out here recruiting, but there's one coach on the trail who stands out above the rest. Mr. Brian Carrington is putting in work, racking up the frequent flyer miles, uh, you know, getting in some of the uh, the greater suburbs across some of Texas uh, and America's finer cities. Uh, what what do you think about about Carrington out here actually on the trail? You know, I um, 
if you've got one guy to send out there, he's kind of, I mean, he's kind of your closer. And that's why I sent that tweet. Cause he's, he's hitting all the spots. He hit all saints to try to lock up the Brocker Myers. Like, like uh, Donald was talking about. Uh, he, he's out there trying to trying to land. He was at, he was at Duncanville trying to land rake Strauss. Like there's, there's a, there's some strategery happening from him. And I just, I love that they're using this kind of open spot on the coaching staff to get the guy who's their ace in the hole out there in the, in the field, which is great. And you know what? I, I said it on Twitter jokingly, but they may already have their, their defensive tackle coach picked out and they're just like, Hey, get us through February 4th and then we'll be great. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh user at caddy one, four, eight, four tweeted at us asking after you tweeted that, if, uh, what does it what does it do if you know what is the the meaning of that tweet and basically um they named Carrington on the coaching staff and if you were on the coaching staff you can go out and visit recruits if you're doing you know the role of recruiting coordinator recruiting analyst uh we have most people in, in roles similar to that on campus you can help with the with the visits when when recruits come to campus on their official visits um you can you can communicate with these kids um, but you can't go do the the in-home visits and get out on the actual recruiting trail so uh so Gerald may just be on to uh, the smartest move that Herman made all offseason. Um, but speaking of um, some uh, some postseason here, I guess, uh, some moves, there's the, the Pro Bowl in advance of, obviously, the upcoming Super Bowl. So the Pro Bowl had, uh, had some notable Longhorns in it, Gerald. Um, there was Justin Tucker and Earl Thomas, uh, most notably, uh, and for two equally hilarious reasons, Justin Tucker hit a uh, a 65 yarder in the warmups and and looked to you know do it as uh, just laissez faire and and truly blase as as you or I might uh, might check our our Instagram or uh, I don't know for me probably order a Domino's pizza from the app just really didn't look strained looked like he's out there having a good time you think he you think he had uh, he had even more leg on it it, it looked like it had been good from 70 that's all I'm saying man looked like it it, it looked like how I impress my son by getting stuff off of low shelves that he still can't reach. Like I've got a three year old. <laughs> so like, he's like, dad got something off the middle shelf. I'm so impressed. I'm like, but I got a whole nother shelf and a half in me. Like, that's what it looked like. Hey, that, be- <laughs> that means you got another 10 years of impressing the kid, man. You set this up. Well, uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. The other speaking of, uh, hilariously cute kids, uh, hopefully everyone saw, and we'll tweet it out from the show, but Earl Thomas being interviewed by his daughter, uh, who's absolutely a star in the making. Um, the whole interview, she interviewed multiple Pro Bowl players, and she was fantastic and hilarious. She cut, cut Drew Brees off when he took too long to answer who his single best friend was. Um, she's like, no, give me one. Now, um, just a, a, a tough ball buster of an interview, but she did interview her dad and ask the pressing question, do you think you're getting old? Um, and he answered it in like the most professional deadpan way. Like, uh, I don't think I'm old. I'm still playing at a top level, whatever. And then she steps away, cuts away and said, I think he's old. <laughs> and it killed me. So you should go find Earl Thomas's uh, family being lovely. I hope she comes to UT as a future journalism student because we all know UT Journalism School produces the best. That there are there are legacies and then there are legacies and if you're if you're Earl's daughter, you can kind of go wherever you want and do whatever you, you care to do. So uh she's coming to the J school in uh what, twenty thirty? All right, so moving uh moving into some of the, the past the Super Bowl, past the spring, next season, opponent news. Uh one coming 
one going. So in the in the new coaches, we will be playing our offense against news. Uh, LSU filled the uh, the vacant Dave Aranda sized hole as he took over the Baylor job um, with a familiar face and an even more familiar Twitter handle. One Bo Pelini, Gerald. What do you think? Well, Bo Pelini brings two things to LSU. Uh, one, he brings a permanent look of confusion. And two, he brings a lot of experience losing to the University of Texas. So both of those things, I think, are going to be solid, uh, solid marks in his corner for at least me being a fan of this hire. Again, I have always thought that Bo Pelini looked like um, Dopey the Elf or Dopey the Dwarf from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Um, (laughs) He also, he and Mike Leach always look like they're confused about who passed gas and what the smell is. And so like, I just love that he's bringing that to LSU for Texas to beat them next year. A Bo Pelini Google search is just a fantastic thing. A Google image search, just like scroll through and it's all of the emotions, uh, but like all done with a real dumb face. So yeah, he's going to be, the SEC is getting a great one with a Leach Kiffin rivalry, but uh, I, you know, Bo Pelini's a sneaky uh, mega upgrade for that conference, bringing a whole lot of just uh, ridiculous uh, in the face field, and then you know, obviously, Foe Pelini, one of the all-time great Twitter accounts. But in the uh, in the moving on uh, alpha of our schedule next year, he leaves his current role all-time undefeated, never having been beat as the linebackers coach of Texas Tech. Todd Orlando will be joining the USC Trojans coaching staff as Clay Helton's defensive coordinator. Gerald, any thoughts? I mean, as somebody who's only been to Lubbock once, I can't take too many shots at Lubbock, but California is going to be an upgrade over Lubbock, Texas. Um, Just, I mean, just as far as scenery goes, because again, there's scenery in, in LA, but this is just such a weird move, and especially with all of the uncertainty at USC as far as the coaching staff, unless he's trying to like moonwalk his way into a head coaching job at USC, like that's the only way to me this move makes a ton of sense. I mean, we clearly know what's happening here. Obviously, he is going to USC, but he's going to now immediately, he's going to Manny Diaz, which might now be called Todd Orlandoing. Uh, he's going to immediately. Todd Orlando, USC, and take an NFL head coaching job to coach against Cliff Kingsbury, which high-level recruit he brings with him and causes a transfer uh, saga. We, we we shall never know. That's a Rupert McCoy joke. Um, well, it, I mean, he's gonna get, what he's going to do, here's what's going to happen, because his first year with every school is always real good, and then he regresses to the mean. So USC is going to have the best defense they've had in probably 10 years, and the offense is going to struggle. Helton's going to get canned. They'll name Orlando the interim head coach, and then the defense wins them a bowl game, and he drops the interim. Like that's that is probably what he he is like writing in his dream journal and putting on his uh, his vision board right now. Yeah, you know, I wish there was a joke to be made there, but the truth is somehow funnier, Gerald. That's all I got. Well, that's all we've got for you this week, Kyle. Where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can follow the Texas pregamer at. Texas pregamer. You can follow me on Twitter. I am at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. You can find me on my other podcast, Two Woke Nerds, where we talk about nerd news and comic book movies and all that fun stuff. We've got a lot for you this week. Thank you so much for tuning in again. And until next time, hook them. Hook them. Sam Cosmio's Rob for the Piesman. Peace.